Miami in the final four. It feels like a dream. It really does. And I know our guest here, who is the voice of the Miami Hurricanes, who is in Houston, ready to go this Saturday, Joe Zagaki. Joe, does it still feel like a dream for you to be in this position about to call the final four? Uh, yes, very much so, Alex. Uh, uh, you know, I kind of thought th this University of Miami team was good enough to get to the final four. I started telling people in January, don't sleep on Miami. They're, they are final four good. And so here we are. On the other hand, selfishly as a broadcaster, uh, doing University of Miami basketball for 30 years, it's kind of like being the voice of uh, a team in the NBA, like the L.A. Clippers, who never get to the playoffs or the NBA finals. So after 30-some years, we're finally at the, at the holy grail of college basketball, uh, playing for all the marbles with a, with a very good team. So, uh, yeah, it's almost surreal for me. And also, uh, personally, I've been fortunate to do a, every major event, either as a broadcaster or news reporter, how, you know, cover the Panthers and Stanley Cup and the Marlins and uh, Super Bowls. And um, the Final Four has always been my favorite event, that I, and I've never gone as a fan or a broadcaster. Never been to a Final Four. And when I was a kid, I loved the Final Four. I probably, one of the few, along with Larry Bluestein, that remember uh, that the Final Four was played on a Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock and not in football stadiums. And uh, now it's just mushroomed into this gigantic, gargantuan event. And uh, But I've never been. So here we are. That's amazing. And the Hurricanes, they've basically been underdogs every step of the way outside of the opener against Drake where they were favored they weren't supposed to if you go by the odds and the experts they weren't supposed to beat Indiana they definitely weren't supposed to beat Houston they weren't supposed to beat Texas and they came back from a 13 point deficit in the second half to win that game against Texas and then of course against a very good UConn team the Hurricanes find themselves as underdogs again currently stands at five and a half points um, so Miami has defied the odds to this point Joe um, now, UConn is really being built up as a monster, and they've won all their tournament games so far by double digits, and they really blew out Gonzaga last time out. So uh, I don't necessarily think the Hurricanes can necessarily win this one the same way they beat Texas. I think they have to hit a lot more threes. But if you could draw up a blueprint for how victory would look for Miami this Saturday, what needs to happen? They have to uh, disrupt UConn's offense. UConn's really good. Uh, with their offense, probably similar to Virginia Tech. Uh, they're always running a lot of ball screens. Uh, they keep you running through the entire uh, set. And their best player is Jordan Hawkins. He's the highest-rated player remaining in this tournament. A lot of people think he's going to be a first-round pick. Got a really smooth shot. Uh, people compare his shot to Ray Allen. So he's always running, always coming off the screens. And a guy that gets into the corner or gets to the elbows, gets wherever he wants. He wants to get to his spot. So... Miami's got to find a way to disrupt the UConn uh, passing game and disrupt their offense. I think that's really important. And the battle of the boards, uh, Sonogo and, and Norchad O'Meara, that's going to be a heavyweight fight. Uh, Sonogo is going to give probably the biggest um, or most similar player than, to Norchad that Norchad's going to play this season. Uh, Sonogo is 6'9", 245 pounds, and, I mean, he's just got shoulders that look like uh, Atlas Van Lines, and uh, but but I think Norchad is more athletic than Sonogo. Sonogo is more of brute force, but uh, he's their leading scorer. 
17 points a game and grabs a ton of rebounds. Then offensively, uh, Miami has to be able to share the ball and move the ball quickly, much like they did against Houston. Uh, Marquette found some answers against UConn earlier this year where they were able to move the ball and use their high uh, pick-and-roll ball screen offense uh, to get them some good shots. So it's going to be a combination for Miami, not just settling for threes. Miami's offense is best when they have balance. And so they've got to be able to have a lot of pain touches, but then be able to get the ball to their shooters, uh, Nigel Pack and Wong, in open spots. I, I thought you painted the picture of uh, Omir against Sonogo very well. And, you know, I got a question from a listener earlier asking me, hey, like if, if Omir gets into foul trouble again like he did against Texas, to you know, what are Miami's chances to win? And I, I think very slim, Joe. So what well, what's the challenge there? And will UConn – try and attack Omir a certain way to try and put him in foul. No, there's no question they'll try to do that. Miami doesn't have much behind uh, nor Chad Omir. A.J. Casey and Anthony Walker uh, back him up. So they would have to do a really good job. Miami went small last week against Texas, and it kind of bothered Texas. It really it did work for them. They went small. But, uh, I, you know, that will be the chess match that Coach L has because UConn can really upsize. Uh, they've got, you know, their two player, um, who can cling in, cling in, cling in, who can present a lot of problems. He's a freshman and it's seven, two, um, he gets, he scores around the basket. You have to be physical with him and push him away from the basket. He's not so good, not quite as efficient. If you get him a little bit away from the basket, but if Norchad gets into trouble, uh, between Klingon and, uh, Sonogo, Miami would have some trouble matching up height wise. Talk about the matchup for Miami's three-point shooting because uh, UConn is great at defending three-point shots. Obviously, Miami, if you don't go by the Texas game, hopefully people have watched them throughout the season. You know they can be an excellent three-point shooting team, not so much in the last round. How difficult is it going to be to get that three-point shooting going? Is there anything that Coach L can try to do early on uh, to get them going? Yeah, he's going to have – he'll have an answer for UConn's uh, defense. Nobody has more answers than – Jim Laranega. Miami was number one in the ACC in uh, three-point uh, shooting this year, three-point field goal percentage. I'm confident that they can make their seven or eight threes in this game. Uh, they will do it uh, by one, defending and getting out in transition and getting their transition threes uh, by not allowing UConn to set their defense. They will do it by uh, good ball movement and they'll do it off their high ball screen. I imagine they're going to try to put Sonogo in the blender and pull him away from the basket and, and use a lot of high ball screens and uh, what they call boomerang passes. And uh, that seemed to create a little bit of a problem for UConn in a couple of their games. So a lot of times Coach L, he studies who the opponent lost to to see what their weaknesses were. And uh, UConn uh, will get out on the perimeter, and they're very good at denying, but Miami handled Texas's denying defense uh, last week. And so sometimes you might have to drive to the basket or get those paint touches in order to pitch it out to Nigel Pack or Wilga or uh, Isaiah for the threes. Crazy time in South Florida with FAU and Miami both being in the final four. Um, it's like, and I know Joe, you, you obviously you're, you're closer to this Canes hoops team than anyone. And you were pretty confident they could make a final four run. Uh, what about FAU looking at them from afar? Did you even imagine that this could happen? Well, it's a great story for, you know, they're the Cinderella, that's for sure. 
but they've won 30, what, 35 games. They've won more games than anybody. I always yeah. say when you win games, it becomes contagious. When you keep winning like that, uh, then you believe – the only thing you believe is that you're going to win no matter what. And they can score. San Diego State plays defense. San Diego State wants to muck the game up. Uh, they want to uh, grab and hold and, and uh, be very physical. They want to keep the game uh, low scoring. FAU wants to get out and be more athletic, a little bit like Miami. Most people don't even remember that Miami played FAU last year at FAU, and Miami beat them. Isaiah Wong beat them at the buzzer. Uh, it was a very good game. Miami had a comfortable lead going into the final couple of minutes, and then FAU got hot, and so uh, Isaiah had to beat him on a drive to the basket. Uh, I would not be surprised if FAU wins the game, but uh, that game probably, um, a lot of that game might be decided by how they call it, you know, how the referees interpret the calls in that game, because uh, San Diego State, not a high-scoring team. They'd rather play a low-scoring game, and uh, they kind of want to put your nose. Joe Zagaki is with us, the voice of the Miami Hurricanes, about to call and attend his first Final Four this weekend. And, and Joe, about how the community and, and the student body is embracing this team. You know, I know I, I couldn't make it to the send-off the other day. I know, of course, you were there, and it looked it looked fantastic, the whole scene and all the fans supporting the Canes, even the fans that showed up in the middle of the night to welcome the yeah. team back after the Elite Eight. I mean, it, people are going basketball crazy down here now, and I love it. Yeah, it's good to see uh, when we got back from the Elite Eight, it was 3.45 in the morning, and there were a bunch of students out there uh, greeting the team, so that was fun. And then uh, when Miami went, uh, came here to Houston yesterday, uh, I, I, I never thought I would see something like that. There were more people outside sending them off than they've had inside for games, and it, it was <laughs> wild. Uh, they, were, uh, up, they were upstairs on the Wasco Center looking down. They were downstairs. It was almost impossible to get on the bus, so... Uh, there's basketball, college basketball fever in South Florida for both the University of Miami and FAU. But for the University of Miami, it's great to see. I, I figured something it would catch fire because uh, University of Miami fans are very passionate. And I always tell people uh, it's not divided up between football fans and basketball fans and baseball fans. University of Miami fans are program fans. Right. And the program is playing for a championship big part of the program is playing for the championship and that has everybody fired up. I love it. Joe Zagaki, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Kane's voice. Joe soak up every moment of it as I know you will. And hopefully, hopefully you'll be calling two games, not just one and, uh, and, and best of luck. Save, save that voice. Cause I know you, you had to get really excited and yell a lot at the end of that Texas game. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you got enough voice left. No, we're good to go. We'll be ready to go. Alex looking forward to it. It's been a, uh, it has been a, uh, a wild six weeks. People kind of are zeroing in on the Final Four. I don't think they have any idea how hard it is to win this championship. Um, Miami's been going at this at a really high level, probably since that Monday night when Duke came to town. Miami's won 13 of their last 15 games. They've scored over 70 points, I think, in every single one of those games. Uh, every possession since the middle of February seems like it's been filled with some kind of passion and emotion. And now for the last four weeks, the team, well, we've all been on the road here for four weeks, the crisscrossing the country, the Greensboro, the Albany, the Kansas city to Houston uh, with coach L coming up with game plans and ballrooms. This is a hard, hard championship to win. 
is you expend so much energy to win a regular season championship as they did. And now you're playing for, you know, the whole ball of wax here, playing for everything. So they've got enough left in the tank. But I can tell you, this has been, for me personally, probably the most intense six weeks that I've ever had. I love it. Uh, thank everyone so much for supporting the show and for supporting the Canes. We'll talk to you again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team 